We're just gonna we're just gonna take a few minutes here to jump in the Word, um, just to share a couple of thoughts. Uh, today is, of course, in terms of our calendar, the day after Christmas. Um, but as you know, in the worship time, we we still definitely focused in on the birth of Jesus. But what I want to do t- this morning is we're gonna focus on uh, just a couple of one passage that talks about what happened after Jesus was born, uh, and it's still a part of quote-unquote, the Christmas story um, as, as we know it. So if you have your Bible, open it to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to read the account of the Magi, and then we're also going to read the account of what happened after the Magi came, um, kind of focusing in on most of, you know, what happened after the time that Jesus was born. Um, Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. This one is probably familiar to many of you, but if not, then uh, you get to find out this was quite a bit of time after Jesus was born, uh, possibly between nine months and two years uh, after Jesus was born. Um, This is the setting for the Magi. And so it says this, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And so the first account that happens after after the birth of Jesus is, of course, these amazing guys called the Magi, who have been traditionally called the wise men. Uh, I don't know if they were also called the wise guys. Um, but, uh, you know, and most of you know this because I say it every year, there's most likely up to a huge entourage of people that came with them. Uh, there was probably just, weren't just three of them, most likely. There could have been up to 100 people that traveled with them. Did you notice that it says when they came into Jerusalem, they were the whole city was like, whoa, what's going on? When three people come into a city, you don't go, whoa, what's going on? But if an entourage of 75 or 100 people with all kinds of camels and horses and whatever they're riding comes in, that'll get your attention. So that's like also another clue as to what's going on there. So, uh, But isn't it amazing um, 
that even King Herod, who is not a godly king, asks, where's, where's the Messiah supposed to be born? And what they do? They went and looked in the Bible that they had, the Old Testament. Uh, and they found in the Bible, in Micah, for those of you that have been here for our studies during Christmas, we've been going through the Old Testament prophecies of Jesus. So here's another one. It's referenced right here in Matthew 2. It's, it's Micah chapter 5. And they go, hey, we know where he's supposed to be born. <laughs> we know the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. And so these guys are like, great. What direction is that? Because <laughs> they weren't from there. They didn't know, you know, they didn't know Bethlehem was, you know, south down the road from right from Jerusalem. And, and so they... Then they look up and there, there's a star again, whatever the star is that they saw. And uh, I watched, of course, my favorite rendering of the star called, uh, what is it called? The, the Star of Bethlehem by Rick Larson. Uh, it's a great teaching and insight into what the star could have been. And I believe that it seems like a lot of it's true. Uh, we, we can't know for sure. Uh, but whatever it was led them to the exact place where, where Jesus was staying. It's not where he was born, but where he was staying because uh, he was now in a house, uh, no longer in the manger. Um, and the kings come and they present him with their gifts. And, you know, they bow down and they worship him. They offer the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh. And so, you know, it's, it's for Mary and Joseph, it's just another holy moment. It's, a, it's another moment where, you know, maybe it's been a while since the shepherds came by. It's been a while since they had Simeon in the temple when Jesus was eight days old and Anna and all this amazing stuff. Uh, but, at, you know, after a while, they're just, they're just raising a baby. All of us who have raised babies know that there's a lot of work raising babies, right? So, you know, they're just going through life. They're raising the baby. And so Jesus is growing up and he needs to, you know, he needs everything that every baby needs. And so he needs all the care. And then out of nowhere, you know, out of nowhere, these guys, these guys and this whole group, we don't know how many there were, how many actually went to the house. We don't know all that. But we know that there's a group of them that shows up, and then they, they have this amazing worship service. They have, you know, they don't have songs, they don't have music, but they had worship coming out of their hearts. Because like I said earlier during our worship time, Jesus was Lord at birth. And so he was he was worthy even from birth. It's like... It's so amazing. All of us who have young ones, uh, you know, whenever you look at a, a small child, and can you imagine adults worshiping one? It's just, it's just crazy. I mean, all of the responses of people to Jesus doesn't make sense in the natural. It, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense in our heads. You know, these people didn't figure these things out by just having all of it logically lining up together. There were clues, everything. I mean, these guys were studied guys, so don't get me wrong. They're smart, super science guys. They were studying the stars. They were looking for, you know, the signs that the Lord would give them in the stars and all those things, not astrology. Um, but, you know, these guys were very learned and studied, and, but still, for them, they had to come to this moment where it's like, okay, that little, that little kid there, that little child, that little baby, nine months old, maybe walking, maybe one year old, Maybe a year and a half, we don't know. Is a little toddler around, uh, is just walking around. That's, that's who I'm, I'm here to worship. You know, it's, to me, it's still the, part of the, the, the wonder of the Christmas story is that the people that got it, got it. 
And the people that didn't really missed it. They totally missed it. I mean, isn't, there was all kinds of other people that thought they were looking for God, but they missed him when he showed up. But here you have these, this group of magi who maybe were descended from Daniel. They were from Babylon area, probably, most likely. Possibly, they had some Jewish heritage. There's, there's a lot of theories as to that. But whatever they were, they were looking and they were open to what God was doing. And so because they were open and looking, they were able to respond and be there and present the gifts to Jesus at just the right time, as we'll see. And so if you're keeping track at home and you need points, point number one is Jesus is worthy. And how do you, how do you show him his worth in your life? If Jesus is worthy, if he's been worthy since before all creation, and he was worthy when he came to earth as a human being and made himself a baby and grew up as a, and grew into a man, he, he's worthy now. How do I respond to him? What is, what is my offering to him? What is, what, is, what is God calling me this year to say, offer this before me? What, what are you going to lay down before me? This was valuable to these guys. We don't know how rich they were, but they, they had a lot of money. Gold, obviously, we know that's, that's worth a lot of money. Uh, a chest of gold, most likely. Frankincense was very expensive. Uh, still expensive if you're into essential oils, right? It's one of the most expensive ones. Uh, myrrh was also a very valuable commodity. And so these, this was a costly gift. And so what, what costly gift is Jesus inviting you to give to him as unto his worthiness this season. So I want to go on, though. It says they returned by another route. We're going to keep going here because this is still part of what happened during the, the Christmas story. Verse 13 says, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. This is obviously the way that God communicates with Joseph. Have you noticed it? <laughs> he just He's just a dreamer. He's a guy that, that uh, uh, you know, God speaks to him in his dreams. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for this child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. It looks like he just woke up and got up that moment and said, we're leaving. Talk about quick obedience, right? (laughs) I mean, that's sometimes I, I would have probably just like gone. Okay, I'm gonna go back to bed. <laughs> can I? I get to sleep in, right? Can I? Can I get up at eight or something? Uh, but it says they got up and left and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so it was. So was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. And then something horrible happens after this. I don't want to, you know, there's a few kids in here. So, but there was the, there was the, the, the babies and the, and the little boys in Bethlehem that are killed, that Herod kills. And it's a, it's a horrible situation. And it's really the, you know, God, of course, rescues Jesus out of this. But he ends up in Egypt. I mean, Mary and Joseph, they end up in Egypt. They're, they're now refugees. In another country. I mean, can you think about that? Have you ever, do you ever feel like God has, like, put you in, like, an Egypt season? 
Sorry, not trying to preach in particular, but if it fits you, sorry. Have, have you ever thought it's like where God says, how you end up somewhere or in some place where you're like, I, this is, a, is this part of the plan, God? I mean, really? I mean, Mary and Joseph, man, talk about amazing people, right? I mean, Joseph and Mary were some incredible people. I mean, Joseph, I mean, I want to talk to that guy when I get to heaven. And say, how did you do that? I mean, his, you know, his, his fiance gets pregnant and she says, there's an angel. You know, I mean, it was the Holy Spirit. The angel spoke to me and he's like, sure it was, <laughs> you know, but God speaks to him in a dream and then he just obeys God. And then God speaks to him again. And he obeys God. And God speaks to him again. He says, we're going to get up. We're going to, we're going to go to Egypt. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, thankfully, God had already provided all the money they need. You notice God gives the provision before they go, but, but still, I mean, it's like we got to leave. We got to uproot ourselves from family and comfort and familiarity and what is comfortable. And so we, they head off to Egypt. And so for a season, they're in Egypt. We don't know exactly how long it was, but possibly a, a year or two or so, uh, several years in Egypt. And so he ends up in this place and they got to be thinking at some point, Mary's like, did I say yes to all this? <laughs> Did I, did I say yes to all this? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I'm just questioning. I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud in some ways. But, you know, we get in that place sometimes too where God sends us somewhere, gets us in a situation, and we're like, did I really say yes to this? Did I say yes to all this? When you say yes to Jesus, you're saying yes to all God's plan. You're saying yes to the entire plan of God. You're saying yes now to my life. My future belongs to you, Lord. If you make me move to Midland, Texas, from California, then I'm going to go. If you make me leave Midland, Texas, he hasn't told me that. <laughs> Some of you are all, Jesus, please, no. I'm glad you're praying that. Thank you. It's, it's, good. it's better than, you know, you're praying the other way. Oh, God. <laughs> Bless our, bless some other church with our pastor. <laughs> Lord, you said you would send them out into all the world. <laughs> We're declaring Matthew 28 over our pastor. Go into all the world. <laughs> so I'm glad that's not the case here. But it's like, you know, if God sends, sends me somewhere else, then guess what? I gotta go. I have to, I already said yes. I've already said yes to the plan of God in my life. I didn't say yes to like just the plans that I wanted or just yes to the plans that, that are easy or just yes to the plans that are, you know, seem like they're super successful. I mean, at this point, man, Joseph and Mary are like, what is going on? What's next? I mean, they got to think what's next, right? <laughs> I mean, Jesus is maybe he's not even two yet. <laughs> We got it for a long time. This is going to be this is going to be a wild ride here. And so point number 2 is this, you can trust the plan of God. Because even in this scripture here, you'll notice that it quotes the Old Testament. It's Hosea 11.1. 1, Out of Egypt I called my son. That the, part of the plan of God was that the Messiah, that God would kind of mirror or Walk through the same things that his own people went. They went into Egypt and then they came back out. Kind of an interesting thought. That Jesus is walking through some of the things that the nation of Israel did. He's like, I'm sending you to Egypt, but I'm going to deliver you. He didn't go as a slave, though. 
he was he went in as a king. Maybe one of the richest people in town. Isn't that also interesting? Like they they come into Egypt and they're rich. They're super rich. <laughs> so maybe that part of it was a little bit easier. Okay, God, at least we got a lot of money. Money doesn't really help, does it? <laughs> in hard seasons, we don't go. Oh, I'm glad I have money. It's 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 great. It's a blessing, uh, but we know it's just temporary. And so. You can trust the plan of God. We can trust the plan of God over our lives. If he sends you to an Egypt, then guess what? He sent you there. And there's a reason and a purpose that you're there, and he will bring you out at the proper time and say, nope, time's up. So it says, after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Here it is again. And said, get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. When he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in, his father's, in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And so having, having been warned in a dream, so awesome, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. Every step of the way of Jesus' birth and then the beginning of his life is ordered by the Lord. And it lines up with the word of the Lord. And so my third challenge or encouragement to you is this. You can trust the word of the Lord. Not only can you trust the plan of God, you can trust the word of the Lord. Hold on to the word of the Lord. Because all these things, it's like Jesus ends up, it's not, it's not, it's not uh, just an accident. It's not just blind luck. It's not just, you know, we rolled the dice and... Oh, we ended up in Nazareth. It's like, no, and this was because the prophet said. You'll notice it's like he went to Egypt because the prophet said. Where is he going to be born? Because the prophet said. In other words, what was the prophet in the Old Testament? It was the word of the Lord. And so in our lives, we hold on and can trust the word of the Lord. We depend upon Jesus when he's older, of course, when he's being tempted uh, in the desert by the devil, he's gone without food for a long time, and the devil comes and tempts him. And the devil, what, what is his response? He says, no, I'm going to live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, that's my sustenance. Later on, when Jesus is ministering, he says, my food is to do the will of God. In other words, I'm sustained in following God, in trusting in his word, in doing what he says, in following him 100%, because the word of the Lord will come to pass. So every word from God will come to pass. In the Old Testament, it says his word will not return void. It will not return empty. It will, it will carry out the purpose for which it's sent. So when you declare the word of God, you are declaring something that, that is being sent by God, that has the power of God, that has the authority of God, that has the strength of God, that has the wisdom of God, that has the knowledge of God in it. In any situation, I'm declaring the word of the Lord. 
I can trust the word of the Lord. I might, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to end up in Egypt. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to have people pursuing my life to kill me. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to have challenges and tribulations. But what it does mean is that God is someone who can be trusted and I can trust in his word. Over and over again in the life of Jesus, he's fulfilling the word of the Lord. When he starts his ministry, he says, he reads Isaiah 61, and he says, the word of the Lord is now fulfilled. The good news is the word of the Lord is still being fulfilled. There are promises spoken in here that are still relevant today. <laughs> they're still being worked out. They're still being manifested. They're, they're still... Uh, they're still working in our personal lives. They're still working in our family's lab. They're still working when we, even when we can't see him working. He's working because his word. Uh, there's an old song, and I've, it just came to me as I was saying this. Uh, you know, I learned a lot of old songs from some people that are beyond my age. I'll say it like that. And it says, God's word is working mightily in me. God's word is working mightily in me. God's word, it's, it's, it sounds old. It's, it sounds like an old song because guess what? It is an old song. But it's a powerful truth that God's word is working. I can't remember the rest of the lyric. There's somebody who can remember them. You can tell me. Um, but you declare God's word is working mightily in me. So my encouragement to you today is, is those things. Trust the plan of God. Trust the word of the Lord. Trust the plan of God. Trust the word of the Lord. So, Father, we just thank you for this time to be in your presence, to be in your word, to live in the victory of Jesus, to live in the abundance of Jesus. And so we welcome you in our lives, God, to continue to lead us. We want to follow you wherever you would lead. And we choose to trust your word. We tr choose to trust your plans for our lives Lord, that your plans for us are to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us hope in the future. Lord, that you are with us every step of the way, that you knew we would be here today, that you knew we would live where we're living. You knew we would go be at the school that we're in or the workplace we're in. You knew who we, the family we would have. And so we can trust you because you, know, you, are, you not only know the end from the beginning, you are the beginning and the end. So, Jesus, we just lay... Anything in our life today of anxiety or fear, we just, we just lay that at your feet right now. And we say, I, I trust your plan, God. I trust your word, Lord. Whatever that is in your life that you need to trust him with, just right now, just kind of just, just lay that right before him. You might want to just say that, Lord, I, I trust your word. I trust your plan. I trust your word, Lord. I trust your plan. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We honor you today, God, and we thank you that we get to continue to celebrate uh, not only in the Christmas season, we get to receive the fruit of your birth and life and death and resurrection and your ascension into heaven each and every day as your as your sons and daughters. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.